once more for the third week in a row. We take a look at John chapter 6, this time finishing it off, and the sermon is based on this today. Beginning at verse 51. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, This is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, Does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. The Gospel of the Lord. What do parents get to say to their kids? What does a Sunday school teacher get to say to the children? What does a pastor get to say to a teenager who's struggling? What does a Christian friend get to say to the other when they've become overcome with their own shame or guilt? What do you get to say to someone who's on their deathbed? And it puts their hope in the Lord. When we get into those dynamics, when you go into those scenes and you listen, there's nothing you wouldn't give for those words. 
to see that parent talk to that child about whose gift they are, who gave them into this family, who overcame their stubborn, sinful rebellion and took it to the cross for them, to listen to the Sunday school teacher explore more than creation, but to explore the life and the work of a Jesus who walked in our world. What did he do it for? What does he say to you? What kind of God do we have that he came to us from heaven? This is what the Sunday school teacher gets to say. What kind of identity do we get to foster and build to our middle schoolers, high schoolers, college students? What kind of anchor do we get to give them with all of the chaos and uncertain future around? You know that it's exactly those kinds of things stepping into that hospital room, holding the hand of a dying loved one, that Jesus understood the seriousness of this John 6 moment. What living bread, the only living bread, the only words that would go in and say that then and there. Do you get that? Jesus is fighting for it. Jesus is working for it. Jesus is there and it means so much to you. I know it does. And it meant so much to him. That's where the language that comes out of Jesus that says it's all or nothing. John 6 is make or break. And you saw people fork in the road, walk away from Jesus. You're either going to him for everything or anything else you go to is in a different direction, isn't it? It's a separating. This is how to think of the Christian life. This is how to think of your world your hope, your dream, your worth, your value, your future, your God. It's all one path. It's not different ones. And Jesus is saying, I'm going to use this language. Unless you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man. Last time we had these like diversions and distractions that kind of entangled us and how we need to focus um, and get to focus on Jesus as the better nourishment, the better benefits, all the beautiful things that he said to us, the embarrassment of riches. Do you remember that from last week? So this week, people make it clear that they're kind of done with his line of thinking. There were disciples who said, this is hard, and they walked away. Because Jesus made your hope, your future, meaning, value, what's of worth in this world, singular. He made it extremely exclusive territory. And it was just the person of Jesus. And that was a hard pill for them to swallow. They had to forsake all traditions, all other names, all other voices, all other worthy, valuable things, and set it aside just to go. To whom shall we go? To what shall we go? To, to this, to that, to the other thing. Set it all aside to go to Jesus. It's a hard teaching. When you put it in the language of food, it means you're either starving or you're satisfied. There's no in-between. And to think about life that way, 
there are so many resources out there that talk about Christianity today and Christianity in our culture and our time and our context, especially in America, what we do with the phone in front of our thumbs so much all the time, the instant gratification. People are not talking about the big questions of life. What's going to happen to me when I die? What really makes someone worth something in this world? They're not even asking that question because they're too busy with the next five minutes. They're so occupied with like the next thing that just flashes and a little distraction. They're not even asking the big questions. So when we reach out to people or even for our own reflection, how often do you get the, all the stuff out on the table and say, I got to reprioritize my life. There's one valuable thing here. We don't even go there half the time. It's just on to the next episode. It's just on to the next article. I, I would like read ESPN. And I've been, I've read, I read ESPN pretty faithfully. Not as, hopefully not as faithfully as I do the Bible. But I know that in years past, they would have articles that would end and you'd have to hit the back button at the end of the article to go find something new to read on your phone. And now... You can just go, and they got another one ready for you. And they have another one ready for you, and another one ready for you. Can just keep going. It's like Facebook. Oh, look at that. Update, update, update. Just keep, you can keep going all day long and never get, never get to the big stuff unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood. You have no life in you satisfied in Christ or starvation. I'm not going to call that sinful, but you get the fact that these distractions can accumulate to a life that is completely disoriented. It can work on your soul to wear you down in a way where things are not crystal clear. And all those moments along the line where Jesus wants to be right there to catch you where Jesus wants to be right there to speak to that child and to talk to that middle schooler and to be in the classroom and to be your comfort when you're struggling with sin and Jesus wants to be right there when you're feeling lost and alone and Jesus wants to be right there when you're sick and troubled by circumstances in life and Jesus wants to be right there when you're on your deathbed and Jesus wants to be right there as your soul food every time every time every day we end up with something else because we've been living life so distracted. We don't know his words. You have the words of everlasting life. If I can only remember what you said. <laughs> My dear sisters, this is a beautiful section. It is a make or break day, but it's don't treat it as a one-time event. When we have this unless language that Jesus is speaking to his disciples, he does it just like in the context of a Moses and a Joshua. They're good examples of a lifelong service to the Lord. He did say, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. But he said the word serve because it was to be a daily ongoing thing. We're not just going to say, pastor, you're preaching to the choir. To whom have we gone this morning? We have gone to church and we have gone to listen to Jesus and to sit at his feet. That's wonderful. But this is an everyday decision. 
these are everyday choices that God works inside of us to continue to live and breathe and feast in our daily lives on Jesus as our only source of food. So listen to the language that he uses in the, in the, uh, in the next section of words here. For my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. His flesh and food that are real, he now says the language of remaining with. And just as his life as a true human is one tied to the life of his Father who sent him, right? So he says, whoever believes in me is tied and bound. It's not a confirmation promise, one and done, and now we're apart and do our own thing. It is a marriage. It is a union, Jesus is speaking of, a remaining with you, so that your ultimate trust fall for your hope and value and worth and eternal well-being would be in Jesus, remaining in him. It's everything, isn't it? And that's why it was so offensive. You have to pull all the little idols out of your pockets and, and stand there around Joshua and look at them again. What have these done for me? What do they really say? Who's serving whom here? And think about Jesus who gives up his life for you. The God of Israel who took us out of Egypt and spared our lives even though we walked through so many enemy nations. You kept us safe, they said. We have no other God. There's no other God who's done that. It's just the Lord. We'll serve him too. So it is, you get everything out. You get everything out. Family, treasures, meaning, connections, working your way up, thrilling experiences. Life is always going to offer you some second chance, some oh, tantalizing new thing to do. There's always going to be a new way to do it, uh, an improvement on this aspect or that aspect. Do you sense that about, have you, are you doing some of the same things before, but you're doing it in a new way, and now this time it's going to be better, and this time it's going to work, because I've learned from the last time I did the gardening, and you've learned from the last time that you handled the work environment, and now I'm gonna do, it's going to be the better work environment, and you feed off of it for what would make you feel satisfied, what would give you happiness and joy and contentment in life. All these things are always there. You could try a new diet. You could try a new budget. You could try a new this, a, a, a new way to prioritize your time, a new way to spend your time, more time outside, more time exercising. There's always these things that just stare at you and say, more of this and more of that. Let's try a little bit more of this. And it's never really going to get you where Jesus gets you, right? That's why he gives you the language he does about remaining. And you will live because I live with this real food and real drink for your soul. It is such a takeover it became offensive to them because they had to take every single treasure in God they viewed and put them aside. 
there was just one. This is a hard teaching, they said. Who can accept it? And Jesus began to teach. Does this offend you? What if the crazy sound of being so exclusive as a source of life, the crazy sounds in your ears of what I'm saying, eat this flesh, drink this blood, sounds crazy. Doesn't it? It does sound crazy. Who can accept that? Jesus says, what if you see the Son of Man go to where he was before? What if crazy sounds are met with also crazy sight? Wouldn't that become a new extreme? Are you really going to stand there and watch the Son of Man ascended to heaven and still say, yeah, I don't think he can do anything. I don't think he offers anything. What if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? Jesus is saying, even in an extreme moment, if you match the sight of me ascending in glory with more than just this frail flesh you think I have that I'm not the Son of God, what if I go? What if you see that happen? Then what do my words mean? Then what value do they bring? Do you see? All along, Jesus is saying, my, spirit, my words are spirit and life. You can match it now. I'm saying it out loud. I'm going to ascend to heaven. I'm going to go back where I came from in glory and power and strength. My words are spirit and life. The flesh counts for nothing. It's not your estimation of what works in life, what I should oh, really need to do this for my kids. They really need to experience this. Do you know that that's one, there's one thing that really deserves that language? The really need tos? The must-haves? We have to get back to that. Lord Jesus, get me back to that. Let everything else be enjoyed in the context of Jesus and his blessings, his grace, the time that he gives us in this world. But everything else falls away. Flesh counts for nothing. Otherwise, you're just exalting something fleshy. The way you think, what you offer, your pilgrimage, your good deed for the day. You know, behavior gets a lot more time in our thoughts than belief. And what people do and how they spend their time and you run this around your heart as, oh, I feel so much better about myself because, and it's tied to your behavior. It's not, I know who I am because, holy, saved, sinful, going to heaven for Jesus' sake. We lose that language when we get fixated on the wrong things. Flesh that counts for nothing. Let it be what it is. Take your eyes off of it and come with me to church every day and every choice that you make as you gaze on the cross and see the words that are spirit and life. Finally, Jesus turns to his disciples. And I want you to think about this moment because he asks a question and I think that's a teachable moment for us. Jesus says, are you going to leave me too? You're in that crowd, right here and right now. You've heard his word. Are you going to leave me too? He doesn't throw thunder and lightning down from heaven. He doesn't terrify you with his wrath. He doesn't force you to be robotic-like marching orders. We're going on. I'm taking you with me. He doesn't strap and shackle them hand and fist and make their feet move. 
he asks them, are you going to leave me too? He's going to pull out their treasure. He's going to call it out into language. He wanted them to go through that, knowing what he would hear. And Peter said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words. Notice that Peter didn't say um, no. He could have, that's a simple answer to the question. Are you going to go too? It expects a no answer, and he could have just said no, no, and waited for all 12 to say no, we're not going to leave you. But instead, this was a richer moment, and out of Peter came a lot of other things, and I pray it comes out of you as well by the work of the Spirit. That coming out of your heart would say, Lord, to whom shall I go? You have the words of everlasting life. He didn't just say no. He anchors himself in the invisible truths Jesus has communicated to them. You are not just flesh and blood, Jesus. We get it. We have come to know you as a son of God. Do you see how, how different that is? We have come to know and believe you are the Holy One of God. You have the words of everlasting life. It's said that way so that you and I, when we fall into sin, know that it's the words of Jesus that make us close to him and give us life. It's the words of Jesus that are spirit and life. When you fall short into sin and you say, but Jesus, your words to me are the same as your words to those disciples, and I have your words here in John chapter 6, you are closer to Jesus than, as Luther would say, than the child clinging to your neck. When you have Jesus' words, there is a union with your Lord. And Jesus isn't just being followed by these disciples. They move together by faith, one with him. Sharers of eternal life by his words. Not by their proximity. Not by clinging around Jesus' neck or holding his hand down the road. But by faith they had him. And so do you. Peter's words are so helpful for us because they, they remind you what he's clinging to. And I want to tell you, that's what you're clinging to too, isn't it? Your invisible Lord with your real words, real life, and real Savior. Lord, you have the words of everlasting life. We know what you give. We know what you say. We know what we have because of you. My dear Christian friends, take that as the one choice that you make each and every moment of your lives. Let it spread like a wildfire into all your daily components, all your daily relationships, and everything as you spill out who you are and what you have in Jesus. It changes the comfort of your every day because of him. Amen.